0: ones that that generally speak to all of us as we're journeying through our walk with God. So here we are, Psalm 124. Grab your Bibles. We're going to dig right in. It is a song of thanksgiving. So it is July 2nd, and we're doing thanksgiving in July, okay? Some of you are thinking immediately about food, and that's good. But again, it's a metaphor for what God wants to teach you today from His Word, okay? So don't get too hungry in your belly yet. All right, so what is happening here is the psalmist is giving us a reason to worship God today. We have a reason to worship God today. So as we gather, we do so with good reason. We have a reason to testify to something, to bear witness to a truth. And we have reason to trust the Lord today. Now understand this. I'm not foolish enough to think that everybody came here with a very clear rationale for why they're here to worship, to bear witness, and to trust. Some of you come with certain situations in your life, uh, particular scenarios and difficulties and challenges that you face, where you think that if there's... That the last thing I have is a reason to be thankful to God. My life is a mess. It's falling apart at the seams. God seems absent, right? There's such difficulty and challenges in my personal life that you're telling me I have reason to worship God. I have a truth to bear witness to. I have very good reason to trust. That may be where you are today. You may not be feeling this at all. But if that's you, God's going to speak to you today. If you're struggling to find reason to worship, If you're struggling to think of what great truth you can tell others about God. If you're wrestling with doubt and skepticism, then Psalm 124 is going to speak uh, directly to you. And I believe it's going to minister to your heart. Reminding you of truths that in our day-to-day struggles and feelings, we can easily forget. Okay? So let's dig in. Why should we worship? What truth can we bear witness to and give us good reason why we can walk out of these doors today to face another week? And trust God with everything that we are. Okay? Psalm 124 it says this, verse 1. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, When people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept over us. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging rivers. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. This is God's word. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. Okay, so uh, some of you parents are already feeling like it's time for the school year to start again. Right? We're, We're about 10 days in, and I'm about ready to shave my head in sackcloth and ashes. You know what I mean? We all love our children. Yes, we do. And we invest in them. Yes, we do. But maybe it's just our home, because it's, you know, it's like six flags at 6 a.m. in my house. Now, we were playing Imagine If yesterday. It's just supposed to be a quiet game with dice and a few cards. And one of my children, who can remain nameless, you can figure it out probably, is like screaming at the top of his lungs like he's going down a, I'm sorry, I just said he, roller coaster and slamming the card on the table. Woo! I'm like, dude, it's Imagine If, man. you got to, you're getting excited about this, you know, what happens if something actually significant happens? Like, that's exciting. So, it's wild, right? So, but we, we've got a plan. We've got a summer plan. And it's a very logical plan. See, feelers like Maisie's need logic, okay? So, it's very simple. We have a logical plan that we are following through on, right, Doreen? We are following through on it. Here's how it is, right? Here's the logic cup. It. It's real simple. Tell me if you're with me. Are you with me? Good. Okay, ready? If you fulfill a responsibility, if you fulfill a responsibility, then you enjoy a reward. That's it. That's the summer. Isn't that amazing? If you fulfill a responsibility, then you enjoy a reward. If this, then that. Right? If you make your bed, if you... Take care of your pets. If you read your Bible. Yes, we did drop that on them. If you help out with a chore. If you, here's one that's kind of ambiguous. Don't yell at your siblings. That's, that's a win, okay? You don't say anything mean to them, right? What am I forgetting? Right? If you do these things, then you can have rewards. Just very simple, Right? And the kids are like, this is nuts. This is totally illogical. We have to, I'm like, dude, it's going to take you like an hour and a half. That means you have like 14 hours of free time. They're like, this isn't fair. What I'm trying to tell you, if you just do these five things, 15 minutes each or so, then you can enjoy these things. And it just seems totally illogical to, a, to an eight-year-old. But it's our summer logic. It's what we're doing. So, uh, today you're looking at a passage that starts out with logic, right? You have two ifs, verse 1, verse 2. If, if, and then 3, 4, and 5, then. Right? Two ifs, three, zen, three thens. So it's very logical. The, the logic of the psalm is very simple. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, then... When people rose up against us, they would have swallowed us alive. Right? Condition, result. If this, then that. People ask, what is the context of this? It says it's a, it's a song of a sense. It's of David. And so many people begin to think, right, that, that as David would to look back on something that has occurred, I mean, uh, in Second Samuel 5, we see that, uh, he was anointed at Hebron as king of Israel. This is after Saul. And uh, all of a sudden, the Philistines hear about uh, the fact that David is king, and so the Philistines send their army. Basically, this great, powerful enemy is going to go and kick David's butt. That's basically what they want to do, right? And so David now is this newly anointed king, uh, is now uh, faced with a very real, a very powerful, a very resourceful enemy that is coming against Israel, his very people. And in the midst of it, he's asking the Lord, should I, should I go up against them? And the Lord says to David, yes, and here's what David concludes, the Lord has broken through my, my enemies before me like a breaking flood, right, that, that the Lord had taken his side with his people, right, the, the people of Israel have, have always had very real powerful enemies that had come against them. And so most commentators would say that this is probably something along those lines where David is looking back, he's writing a psalm, remembering if the Lord had not been on our side, then the Philistines would have wiped us out. But if you look at the nation of Israel, it's not just David that would have concluded such a thing, right? If you go back a little bit more to... uh, the, the judges, turn back uh, going towards Genesis, you begin to see that uh, Israel had many powerful, threatening enemies that would come against them. Right? That's just what it's been to be the people of God. There are enemies trying to wipe you out. And so you think immediately of, of Gideon, right? Where he starts out with a, a bunch of soldiers, and it really is depleted and decreased down to only 300 people. Men and he's supposed to take on Midian. You can imagine as he is victorious over Midian with only 300 men that he would not have said, Listen, if the Lord had not been on our side, Midian would have wiped us out. Right? You go back even more to, to Joshua as he's literally told to defeat Jericho, the impenetrable wall. The fortress of Jericho and, and, and Joshua was told to just march around the thing and then blow the trumpets and yell. Seems like a great war plan. What is going on here? The Lord is showing Himself to be on the side of His people and His power and His glory is being revealed and that really without the Lord they would have never uh, defeated Jericho. Right? If the Lord had not been on our side joshua would have said then the enemy would have wiped us out what about moses you talk about the craziness of all the events in egypt all the plagues and the culmination of it where the people of israel walk through dry ground and and the, and the, the, the sea is split in two and you talk about the most powerful nation in the world coming against them to enslave them to put them in bondage They had a very real and powerful enemy. And Moses, after seeing the flood of the waters wash over the Egyptians in judgment and set them free, Moses would have concluded, along with all of the people who had left Egypt, that if the Lord had not done this, if the Lord had not been on our side, we would have been wiped out by the Egyptians. You see, that's the story of the nation of Israel. That God, going back to Abraham, had sided with a people by covenant on the basis of grace. The Lord sided with a people to save them from their enemies. That's been the story of the Scriptures. That's what Israel had faced and their experience. And so, basically, uh, that's what we see taking place here. The psalmist is reflecting on his own victories. That if it wasn't for the Lord, I would have been toast. He's citing and he's reminding us all of the fact that this is the kind of God that they worship. This is the God that reveals himself here. If it wasn't for the Lord being on the side of his people, they would have not stood a chance against their very real and powerful enemies. The decisive difference is the siding of the Lord with His people. You take that away. If you take away the Lord's siding with His people by grace, then you have a people defeated and wiped out by their enemies. It's just the logic of redemption. It's the logic of redemption. But not just looking back toward Genesis, but looking ahead, listen. If you're wondering about the storyline of the Scriptures, what brings it all together, it's this kind of God, right? Right? who answers uh, uh, the cries of his people, who looks at a people and says, I'm going to side with you on the basis of a covenant that I made with your father Abraham, and in doing so, I'm going to save you from your most oppressive enemies. And the most oppressive enemies are much more than Egyptians and Midianites and and Assyrians and Babylonians and Philistines. It's very important. That all those enemies, albeit real, national physical enemies that came against them, really it highlights for us the real enemies that really we face, the people of God face. And those enemies go all the way back to Eden, where sin entered the world, and Satan tempted, and we fell, and death came as a result. Right? Our greatest enemies are sin, Satan, and death. And the storyline of the Bible, the gospel of Jesus, is this. That God has sided with a people to save them from their sin, to save them from Satan, to save them from death on the basis of His grace through Jesus Christ. That's the Bible. That's the gospel. That's really our understanding of the good news. And so it's important for us today to enter into that redemptive logic. If it were not for the Lord, who had been on our side, we would have been doomed to destruction. We would have been defeated totally by our enemies. But the gospel is this, that the Lord has sided with the people that He has saved by grace. These are our true enemies, sin, Satan, and death. And I think also when the psalmist is saying this, if it had not been the Lord who's been on our side, if it had not been the Lord twice who's been on our side, then they would have swallowed us up alive. The flood would have swept over us. Then over us would have gone the raging rivers. When he says that, he's admitting that he's incapable of facing his enemies on his own. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, right? That... It's hard for us to admit that we need help. Right? The psalmist, in looking at sin, Satan, and death, looking at the, the, the most oppressive enemies, is saying this I, I, we can't face these enemies on our own. We need help. We don't have what it takes. Take, takes, yeah, in and of ourselves. And so I wonder today if some of you are thinking through your enemies, the things that you perceive to be enemies, or understanding that your greatest enemies are sin, Satan and death, if you're wrestling with that, that you're recognizing that that I've been trying to face these enemies on my own strength. My own merit. My own good works. My 51-49 percentage. I'm, I'm good most of the time. That it's hard in our sin and in our rebellion to admit that we need the help that is necessary, we need God to be on our side or we simply will not stand against our enemies. Sin, Satan and death are most our greatest problem, uh, the eternal dilemma that we face. And I think it's also important for us to make sure that we identify the real enemies here. You know, I talk to people often about marriages, about relationships about uh, their work. Uh, I have the opportunity to sit across a coffee shop table or in my home uh, over dinner and just hear what people are facing. Hear what's frustrating them. And uh, it's always surprising to me how easy it is for people to point the finger at the wrong enemy. Right? The, The problem, the enemy is someone else that I've lived with or I work with. Right? We always personalize the problem in the sense that uh, they, uh, we, uh, we villainize people that are close to us. It's always shocking to me when I hear a husband or a wife or a, uh, uh, an employee about their boss or, or a sibling to another, a brother to a brother or whatever it is, a sister to a sister immediately point the finger and blame that they feel like people are against them. And that they're real enemies, even often in the church. Right? We see this all the time. That there's conflict and there's fighting and hostility. Uh, and it's because we see each other as, as adversaries and enemies. I want to be very clear that ultimately, people are not your enemies. Your spouse is not your primary problem. Right? Your boss is is not your primary issue. It's not a political party that is your greatest enemy. It's not a political ideology that is your most problematic issue. It's not another race or ethnicity that we can point the finger at and say they are the problem, right? It is not a failing economy that is your most problematic issue that you face. It is not Wall Street that is your greatest enemy. It is not an unfair boss or employer that doesn't seem to treat you well. The biggest enemy that you face is sin and Satan and death. Those three together are your primary issue. And all those other things, and I'm not to minimize their effect and the importance of everyday life. That's not what I'm doing. But what I'm saying is all the enemies and all the hostilities that you face every single day, you can trace those issues This is not right. Back to their primary source, and that is sin in you, sin in someone else, Satan who is leading people astray and accusing them and lying to them, and death. These are our primary problems, our human predicament. These are the things that we need to look at and say, that's my enemy. That's my issue. We've got to deal with sin, Satan, and death or if we don't deal with it, if we don't have a strategy to face our most powerful enemies that have eternal consequences, then we will be doomed. And I feel like in saying that, like you come a little bit out of touch with reality, right? These aren't the things I face every day. But that's why we're here, to remind one another of the ultimate issues that we face, that are applicable to every other scenario in our lives. This is our issue. And the Gospel says this, that when it comes to sin, Satan, and death, and every other predicament that we have, there is a deliverer, there is a protector, there is a helper, there is a Lord who has sided with us in Jesus Christ to save us from sin, Satan, and death. All on the basis of His grace. And that is the storyline of the Bible. Not on the basis of merit. Not on the basis of works. But because of His decision to side with the people on the basis of a promise. That is your hope. That is what you must run to today. That is what will bring you through and face all of your enemies. And we can know that this is not just talking niceties. That God has done this. That He has sided with us when we look at the fact of the hill that he hung on, the side of the hill that he hung on for us. right? What a wonderful God that, that he does not abandon us as we face our enemies. Matter of fact, he comes to us to defeat our enemies. He sides with us, walks with us through this, and then finally takes upon the defeat we deserved on himself. Right? Jesus gained our victory over our enemies by being defeated for us. We cannot think and ponder on these things enough. Jesus gained victory by being defeated for us. And that is the new covenant work that brings about the new covenant promise of being set free from sin, of being forgiven and cleansed and washed and all of your condemnation and guilt removed. And the gift of eternal life is given to all those who see it and embrace it. No one can take it away from you. If the Lord had not been on our side, could you imagine you facing sin, Satan, and death without Jesus? Could you imagine facing your enemies without Jesus? I can't imagine it. Where would sin have taken me if it were not for Jesus? I don't even want to go there. I don't even want to go there. Where would anger have taken Mike Mazie struggling as a little boy? I still got issues, right? There's another one for you. But here's the deal. If it were not for Jesus, where would I be? I don't want to know the answer to that question, do you? If the Lord didn't choose to side with a young boy who was confused and alone and angry and distorted in, in mind, if the Lord didn't decide in his grace to side with me, I would not be standing here. And I'm not talking about your best life now, like everything has gone well because I got saved. That's not what I'm talking about. Matter of fact, that is not what this psalm is getting at. We're talking about sin, Satan, and death being defeated. Not success and failure. Phew, we're talking about eternal truths. And if it were not for the Lord that had been on my side, where would lust have taken me? Where would I be with my, with my depraved mind? Where would I be if it were not for the Lord? My lack of self-control, where would I be? Greed, envy, bitterness. If the Lord had not been on your side in Jesus Christ, where would it be? You think, man, it's really bad today. And it may be. I'm not trying to minimize the, de- the things you are wrestling with today. Matter of fact, the Psalms deal with it. They preach to us. They bring life to us in the midst of the valley and the struggle of human life. I'm not minimizing What you're feeling today, what I'm saying is this, that it's not as bad as if the Lord had not been on your side. It could be a lot worse. I feel like I got a little upset. (laughs) If the Lord had not been on our side, we would never stand a chance between sin, Satan, and death. We'd be eternally destroyed. We'd be doomed. And that the Lord is chosen in His grace to side with the people, all on the basis of the work of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you're wondering, how can I have assurance and hope and salvation? How can I know that the Lord is on my side? Uh, Please place your faith, hope, and trust in the finished work of Jesus. Believe in the new covenant promises of forgiveness of sin and reconciliation with God. The filling of the Spirit, God will live inside of you. He will not just take your side, He will live inside As you embrace Jesus by faith let me tell you this here's the logic of salvation if you do not know embrace and enjoy and are satisfied and give all that you are to Jesus Christ then you will not be able to stand against your most powerful enemies you just won't but if you do guess what you're saved right and so what do we do with that if the Lord is on our side to save us from sins then what do we do what's the logical response Listen, blessed be the Lord who's not given us his prey to their teeth. We've escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. We have escaped. Listen, if the Lord is sided with you by grace, the logical response is that we worship. We worship Him. That's why we're here this morning, right? To celebrate some true reality that God has sided with us to save us. We are here today to sing and to pray and to preach and to encourage and spur one another on in the redemptive reality that God has sided with us in Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we worship. Because people that have been saved, that have been rescued, that have escaped, worship. That's what they do. They worship, right? Really, that's why we live every day. Some of you are looking for purpose. Why do I exist? For worship. You exist to worship God. You don't exist for your own uh, personal satisfaction and and self-fulfillment. You don't exist for success someday spending uh, 30 years in Florida enjoying the good life. That's not why you exist. You exist for the glory of God. You exist to worship and know and enjoy Him. And to praise Him for His rescuing of you from your enemies. You exist for worship. People that are saved by grace, respond with worship. Not only that, it says that uh, you don't miss this little phrase, verse 1, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. These people that have been rescued and saved, right? they worship Him. But what He's saying there is, is, Let Israel now say, let the saved people, let the people that the Lord has sided with, let them now say something. Something needs to be said about what God has done. That, that what God has done in siding with the people to save them by grace through Jesus Christ is not something to be quiet about. It's something to be said. And so the people of God respond to this action with witness. Witness as these people journeyed they were bearing witness to one another along the way right they sung these songs they sang together if it had not been the lord who'd been on our side let us say if it had not been the lord right then then the waters would have washed over us they bore witness to one another we need to do more of that bearing witness to one another because even as those who are saved by grace, it's easy for me to forget the logic of redemption. It's, it's easy for me to forget that the Lord, the difference that has been made in my life is the Lord has sided with me by grace to save me from sin through Jesus. I forget that all the time. We need to bear witness to one another. But I think really what we see also is that, that the world around them would be able to hear this. It was not meant to be just sung in the context of the community. It was something that would be overheard. Our worship is overheard. People watch us. They watch what we say. They they watch what we sing, and then they watch how we live. Right? Worship is sung, amen, but it is lived. And when our lives say that the fundamental difference that has changed all that we are as we face life's most problematic issues, the world's greatest enemies, they will look at us and they will say, "Look at, the difference that has been made is the grace of the Lord decide with them. It's the Lord, Jesus has made all the difference in their life. Could people say that about you? Are people hearing that from you? See, let Israel now say, Let the Church of Jesus Christ now say. Let every follower of Jesus now say, let Mike Mazie say that if it wasn't for Jesus, if the Lord had not been on my side, I would be doomed to destruction. And uh, I think culture has this view of us, that we think we're better than other people. We think that we' figured life out, that we know something that they don't know, right? That we're smarter, that we're a little nicer. Isn't that what Christians are? Just a little nicer? Right? But that's not the nature of what God has done at all. That's not true. We're not better. Right? We're not smarter. We're not cooler. That's for sure. You should see my t shirt collection, you know. Not cooler fundamental difference is singular God the Lord Jesus the Spirit the gospel one difference from everybody else we're not perfect can someone raise your hand and confess I'm not perfect I'm not perfect you perfect you figured it all out nope what's the difference God's grace that's it God's grace in Christ the world needs to hear that the only difference between you and me Is this sovereign grace of God applied to my life that's it that's all I got for you I'm no better just been graced and yet not to minimize that because that kind of grace albeit one difference makes all the difference in the world let Israel now say Let the church now say, let Mike Maisie now say, let us now live this. Let us bear witness to this. Let us put on display the story of grace for all the people that we know in our lives, right? This needs to be told. That's one of the reasons we're still here, is so that God can tell His story of grace to the world through a people that He has saved by grace. And so take responsibility for that. You can't just get saved and shut up. You've got to speak up. Let Israel now say, Blessed be the Lord, we have escaped. And last, I think that we trust in God, right? We trust in the Lord. We respond with worship. We respond with witness. And we respond with faith. Trust. Look at verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth." Comes as a conclusion. Looking back on all of the enemies that we right? the psalmist, we as the people of God, saved by grace in Christ, looking back and seeing what God has done in Jesus to save us from our most oppressive enemy, what is the conclusion we draw if the Lord had not been on our side? but the Lord is on our side, right? And the conclusion we say is this. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Is that the conclusion that you have? right? If you look back, if the Lord had not been, what is your view of the future? As you, as you walk the next step, as you move on into the next season of life, what is your perspective on it? Is it, I'm in deep trouble, we're never going to make it? I'm all alone in this. It's only going to get worse before it ever gets better. The doom and gloom spirituality. Right? I'm going to have to figure this all out on my own. Nobody cares about me. As you look forward to the future, is it filled with fear, anxiety, despair? Or do you look on the past, you see the kind of God that has saved us. You know that He has sided with us on the basis of grace through Jesus Christ to save us from our enemies guess what? If He saved us from sin, Satan, and death, we can be rest assured that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Nothing. So we can walk with that conclusion. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. We move on in life. We draw faith from His faithfulness over time. And our faith is not blind, right? People confuse us all the time with people that don't see anything, they just blindly believe. They, they, you know, they cross their fingers, Jesus is going to save me. I just know it. right? Faith is not blind. Faith is based on experience too. It's based on the scriptures primarily. Please don't mishear me. But the scriptures are living and active. They're applied to our lives and so we can look back and say, listen, we're continuing to trust God because we have every reason based on experience to do so. He's with us. He sided with us. He saved us in Jesus. We have every reason. The Scriptures tell us and experience shows that it's living and active, this Word. And that He has been there for us every step of the way. If the Lord had not been on our side. But He was. He was. It's not blind faith. The Lord is our true help. I've heard more times than I ever wanna hear for the rest of my life lately from many people, a number of people I should say. These very sad, tragic, untrue words. There is no hope. I think I heard that from three different people this week. There is no hope. Some of you are feeling that this morning. Particular situation. There's no hope. You feel hopeless. You feel despair. You're despondent. And here's the conclusion that corrects us. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the Maker of Heaven and Earth. While there is help, there is always hope. Write that down. If there is help, There is hope. And I'm talking about capital H help. As long as God is God, as long as the gospel is true, as long as He is who He is to His people, there is help. Therefore, in every situation, including and especially as we face sin, Satan, and death, there is always hope. If you're feeling hopeless, be corrected gently. There's hope. There's always hope. To deny hope's existence is to reject the helper. And the most profound miracle that helped us, the resurrection. If you're looking at a situation in your life and you're saying, it's toast, it's over, it cannot be restored, it cannot be revived, I cannot. Uh, this cannot get any better per se, guess what? You, you, you've missed the reality of the resurrection. When the bank account's empty, you say, we're never going to make it. Listen, the resurrection changes everything. Uh, that's probably a weak illustration. The point I'm trying to make is this, that no matter what situation we're in, no matter how bad it feels, no matter how exhausted we are, if we are in a relationship with Jesus on the basis of His death and resurrection, there is always help, therefore there is always hope. So whatever situation in your life you're, you're saying, that looks hopeless, cry out to God. Lift up your eyes to Him. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Our help, is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. When there is help, there is always hope. It's easy to fall into despair, but I pray that the truth of the gospel would pull you out today. The Lord has sided with His people on the basis of His grace to save us from sin, Satan, and death all in the person and the work of Jesus Christ and imagine if he hadn't done that we would be doomed but because he has we are not he made a promise to Abraham he kept his promise in Christ he's worthy of our worship our witness and our trust amen Thomas Lye says this, God in faithfulness will make good His promises. He never has and never will fail the man who puts his trust in Him. Or woman, of course. God has never broken His word by deceiving, nor cracked His credit by paying less than was due. God is so faithful and true to His Word. Let Him promise a victory and the trumpet of victory can be sounded even before the battle. O trust in the Lord, you His saints. The Lord is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our witness. And He is worthy of our trust. Amen? Maybe spend some time this week thinking back, remembering the way in which the Lord entered into your heart and your life and sided with you as you heard the Gospel, responded in faith. Maybe that wouldn't bring hope and strength to your heart as we walk through this journey. Maybe grab your Bible and a journal, read this psalm, write some memories of grace. Remind yourself that if it wasn't for those grace moments, you would be doomed. And run into the arms of your helper and continue to trust Him as we continue to plod this walk of faith together. Amen? Amen. We have real enemies but we have a very real protector and helper and savior. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Blessed be the Lord. You have sided with us, You have saved us all on the basis of your grace through the finished work of Jesus. I pray that every person here would see that, would love that, would rest in that truth, would hold on for your life, would worship you and celebrate you for this. They would set aside their fears and insecurities and begin to tell every man, woman, and child in their life that if it had not been the Lord, I would be doomed. I pray that you would cause each and every one of us to see your faithfulness, to respond with trust. Thanksgiving in July Really, every day is a day that we can look up toward you together as your people and say, Thank you, Lord, for your gracious work in our lives. Say this in Jesus' name.